I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903-586-6520. If you would like to support the ministry here at Fellowship Bible Church, we would greatly appreciate that as well. To give one time or on a regular basis, you can text GIVE to 903 903- 586-6520. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible-believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. Warning. January is, this year, is Discipleship Month at Fellowship. And so we're going to be talking about disciples and discipleship. And I asked last week, what is a disciple? Are you a disciple? These are important questions because discipleship is at the very center, at the very core of being a Christian. There are several definitions of a disciple. Some say a disciple is just simply a convert. And others would say, well, it's somebody who's really learning about him. It's more than a convert. It's this other thing that's learning and desiring him. And then some others would kind of push it way up there, and they would say, well, it's some kind of a super-duper Christian, um, some kind of special Christian. But um, the Greeks at the time of Jesus defined disciple as a person who was committed to an important and well-known master. No no mention of salvation there. It's someone who's committed to a master. And last week we studied John 8, 31 and 32, which is a key verse to understanding disciple, what a disciple is and discipleship. And in it, it says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we understood last week that there are true disciples, and there are false disciples. True disciples have saving faith that remains, and they know the truth. Jesus is the word. They know him. And the truth, that's Jesus, sets them free from their sin. And they're truly saved. But false disciples only come part way. That's what we learned last week. They haven't fully placed their their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They know of Him, 
but are not committed to Him. They haven't committed their lives to Him. And like John 8, 31 and 32 from last week, we're going to study a second passage with a clear defining characteristic of a true and genuine disciple. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 15. We're going to study through 1 through 17 this morning. And that's what we're going to talk about. But before we start looking at this passage, we have to get some context, right? Context is key to interpretation. And this is, John chapter 15, is in the upper room discourse, some people call it. I like the other name, the farewell discourse. Um, this is where Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room before his crucifixion. And they were observing the Passover, the Last Supper, in that upper room. And Jesus washed the disciples' feet and then declared that one of them would betray him. And Satan entered Judas, and he had gone out from them. And Jesus was there with the remaining eleven. And then Jesus gives them that new commandment that will glorify the Father, that they are to love one another as He has loved them. And the world would know that they are His disciples if they have love for one another. And then Jesus tells, foretells Peter's denial. And He tells them He's going away to heaven and to prepare a place there and that they will be with Him. And He tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Me. And then Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit as a helper to them. And that brings us to John chapter 15. So the context of this passage is that Jesus is giving final important instructions to His true disciples, the eleven, right? And the context after this passage is important too. He's going to be betrayed that night. And he'll be condemned. And he will die on a cross the next day. Okay? That's why it's the farewell discourse. And this is a key passage on discipleship in this farewell discourse. Okay? That makes this, this passage very significant for us. So look at John 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. A true vine and vine dresser. This is referring to an old the Old Testament. It's... Um, Bill read one of them in Psalm 80. And it's a passage that's referring to God who plants a vineyard and then tends it. And that vineyard is Israel. And he's only rewarded from that effort and that planting and that vine worthless wild grapes. Worthless fruit came out of this vine. In Isaiah 
chapter 5, verse 4, 1 through 4, verse 5, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, he says, Let me sing for my beloved a love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it when I looked for it to yield grapes? Why did it yield wild grapes? He brought this vine out of Egypt, right? He drove out the nations and he planted it. He cleared the ground for it. Clearly the vine here is Israel. But something happened. It didn't produce fruit. So the vineyard was destroyed. In Psalm 80, as Bill read, they have burned it with fire, they've cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. He says, though, at the end, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand. Who's that? Jesus. The son of man, messianic term, whom you have made strong for yourself, that we may not, that we may not turn back from you. Give us life. We call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Jesus' claim here in John 15, verse 1, is that he is the true vine. Not that vine that failed, but the true vine. And Israel, it was Israel, and he claims to be the Son of Man with this passage. So that's who I am. He is the Messiah in whom they have to call on for salvation. The path to God is not through the nation of Israel. It goes through Jesus. You don't need to belong to Israel to belong to God. You need to become a disciple of Jesus. You have to be a branch off of that vine. A branch off the true vine. And then look at 15 verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So the true vine is Jesus, and the branches are those with some connection to Jesus. There's some connection there. And the vine dresser is the Father, and he does two things to ensure maximum fruit production. And the first is point number one. False disciples don't produce fruit. They will be cut off and judged. You see, Jesus came to give life. And all true disciples are alive in Jesus. But false disciples are spiritually dead. They've never exercised faith and made a commit, committed relationship. 
They're still dead in their trespasses and sin, as Ephesians 2.1 tells us. George uh, Whitfield, the great evangelist from the 1700s, he calls them almost Christians. Almost, but not quite. They fall short in some way. They live by godly principles. They live by those principles, but, but not for Christ. They live for their, themselves, for their own reputations. Look at this quote from Matt Carter and Josh Redberg um, in their commentary on John. It says, Jesus is divisive. His presence divides true disciples from false disciples. And he didn't come to coddle false disciples. He says, false disciples will be cut away by my Father. In verse 2 there, paraphrase. If you don't bear fruit, then you're not connected to Jesus. If your life shows no evidence of Jesus, then you don't belong to Him. Look at verses 4 through 6. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Apart from Jesus, there's no fruit. You can do nothing apart from him. Fruitlessness is a defining characteristic of a false disciple. And this is not the only place Jesus talks about fruitlessness. In Mark 11, we read about Jesus, Jesus going into Jerusalem and he passed a fig tree and he found no fruit on it and he cursed it and it withered and it died. And then in Luke 13, Jesus tells the parable of a fig tree that a man planted. This sounds a lot like that Isaiah passage. And after years, he found no fruit on it, and he, could, he would cultivate it and fertilize it and wait a little while longer. And if it didn't produce fruit after that, it was worthless and it would be cut down. If there's no fruit in your life, then you're a false disciple. Because false disciples do not abide in the life-giving Savior. And those who do not abide in Him are fruitless and cut off and thrown away and withered. They're gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. This is judgment. A defining characteristic of a false disciple is fruitlessness in your life. The primary example in the Gospels, Terry asked me about this last week. How come you didn't mention Judas? Right? He hung around with Jesus. He hung around with true believers. He looked good. He had a connection with Jesus, clearly. But his heart was not surrendered to Jesus. The priority of his life was fruitless. 
It was about money and what money could buy him. The things of the world. And he, but he was mixed in with the twelve, wasn't he? And Jesus called him, but in the end, his life was fruitless. He was a false believer. He did not remain. He was not committed. And he went away, and God cut him off, and he perished. He was a false disciple. Fruitless. Withered. And did not remain. Was judged. And cut off. That's one type of branch. Some connection, but not the one that counts. Commitment. But there's a second type of disciple, praise God. A second type of pruning, too. And we see that as point number two here. True disciples are transformed by Christ, abide in Christ, and Christ abides in them. True disciples are those that God has transformed. They abide in Jesus, and they know Jesus, and Jesus sets them free from sin, saving them to Himself. And then it says in John 15, 3 and 4, Already you are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Abide in Me, and I in you. Just stop right there for a second. Remember, this is the context, right? The upper room. And Jesus had washed their feet. Right? You remember this. And Peter, in that uh, earlier chapter, 13, verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. It's Jesus that does the washing. It's Jesus that does the transformation. And if you don't come to Him for washing, you're not going to be clean. But those He washes, those He transforms, they're completely clean. It's the transformational work of God to change sinners into true disciples who commit themselves to following Him, to obeying Him and abiding in Him. And that... That's as we read in the beginning of verse 4. Christ abides in true disciples. I find this fact and the living truth of it astounding. That God would, would come to earth and save me and then live in me. Redeem me and transform me. And the very Spirit of God would live in us. It's astounding that God would do this. And He lives in us to strengthen us, to continue to follow Him. To no longer be slaves to sin. To strengthen us and enable us to strive with our sin. And He even continues to forgive us when we fall down. And He helps us pick us back up. And walks with us in this broken world. And God does another transformational work in His true disciples, He prunes them. Remember the end of John 15, 2. Every branch that does not bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. The branch that is fruitful is the true disciple because fruitfulness is a defining characteristic of a true disciple. 
false disciples are fruitless, and true disciples are fruitful. God transforms true disciples. They're fruitful by His presence in them, living in them, and continuing to transform them. Pruning them so they're more fruitful. What is this pruning? Again, Matt Carter and Josh Redling help us take a look at this quote. If you're connected to the vine, God is going to do whatever it takes to cause you to bear fruit. God will cut you and prune you and trim you and chop you. He's not content to let you stay in the vine bearing and the vine bearing little fruit. God is ruthlessly determined to shape you into something much better and more beautiful than you are right now. He's determined to make you like his son Jesus. The only way that will happen is through cutting away the parts that are dying so that you can grow more healthy, more and more healthy. God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to comfort. God will do whatever it takes for you to bear fruit. So the vine dresser continues to prune the unhealthy sin out of true disciples. This is sanctification of the believer. He's not done. He keeps working in us. Praise God. He doesn't leave us where we are. He keeps coming and leading and guiding and showing and changing us more into His image. Transforming us to be like Him. And therefore, because we're like Him, we're fruitful. Look how this works in verse 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. He it is that bears much fruit. And that's our next point. True disciples live fruitful and joyful lives for the kingdom of God. God not only washes and prunes, He is the life-giving vine. The life source that produces much fruit in true disciples. How does God produce fruitful lives in His disciples? Look at 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. True disciples abide in Jesus and the Word of God. And we learn about what He has done and we love Him. And we ask God, to have His kingdom reign and rule in our lives. This promise to ask whatever you wish is connected to abiding in Jesus. Our hearts are changed. And then He gives us the desires of that transformed heart. And what is the desire of a committed, abiding, and transformed heart? To bear fruit for the kingdom of God. 
That's the heart's desire of a true disciple. To bear fruit for Him. Ask for that, and you can be sure He'll do it. He will prune you and transform you and use you for His kingdom. John 15, 8, which we just read in the ESV, is that second key verse I was telling you about. The second key verse to discipleship. The ESV says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I find the New Living Translation helpful here. It says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. You see, fruit-bearing is glorifying to God. True disciples are fruitful, which brings great glory to Him. And this is the priority of a true disciple's life. The decisions they make, the choices they make, they are always praying and asking God, make me fruitful for the kingdom. Show your glory in my life. Show yourself, God, in me. Change me that I look like you. That glorifies God. And what does this look like? Look at verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The true disciples' lives, they live in love of God. They love to please Jesus. They love to obey Him because they love Him and they want to please Him. That's the, that's the reason that they obey. It's because they love the one they follow. It's not keeping a rule. It's loving Him and saying, I want to be like you. And like Jesus, they obey. And they remain in that love of God. And the result of this is something truly wonderful. Something the world looks everywhere for and longs to have, but doesn't find it anywhere else but Jesus. Look at 1511. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be full. Joy is in Him. It's not in anything in this world. It'll never satisfy. Joy unspeakable. To be in the love of God, even in the trouble and the mess and the brokenness of this world, we know who we are. We know whose we are. And we abide in His love for us, and we know that we will live and abide in His love forever. Nothing can separate us. And that joy is filled to the brim. And it overflows out of the life of a true disciple. Look at 15.12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
That's saying a lot right there. God's love fills the disciple and it spills out around us and God commands us to love one another in the body of Christ in a way that the selfish world rejects. Look at 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You see, true disciples understand the sacrificial love of Christ. And Jesus tells His disciples, love like that. He tells His disciples, they're no longer slaves, but friends. He's told them everything the Father has told them. And now, hold on to your hats. Hold on. True disciples are friends and partners in ministry of Christ. They know they're working for the same goal. They love to obey and please Him. Love to be like Him. We love our brothers and sisters sacrificially. This doesn't mean just loving a lot. It means loving so much that we sacrifice our lives for one another. That's different. There's action involved in this. True sacrificial love has action in it. This is the love that Christ commanded us to have for one another. Love one another as He has loved us, laying down His life for us. We love so much we'll sacrifice anything for another one. Our time, our treasure, our talents, anything to sacrifice for another. That's sacrificial love in action. Even to the point of our very lives is what he calls us to. This is the type of love he's talking about. That the world would see that between us, and then they would know that we're his true disciples. Because we love each other like that, totally alien to the world. Cannot comprehend it. And this is, here we come to the last point, maybe one that's been nagging you a bit all the way through this sermon. What is this fruit? What is this fruit that comes from the life of a true, true disciple? This is point number four. Kingdom fruit is everlasting fruit. This makes sense, doesn't it? The fruitfulness of a true disciple only comes through a committed relationship with Jesus Christ. And the work of Jesus Christ is always kingdom work, and it's always everlasting. It'll last forever. Look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should 
Abide. So that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, He may give it to you. God chose you from eternity past and appointed you for kingdom work that is everlasting. Your salvation is not just about you. It's about Him. It's for Him and for His purposes and for His kingdom. Ephesians 2.10 talks about this salvation. It's for good works that He prepared for you to do beforehand. He saves us to be fruitful for His kingdom. And kingdom fruit is fruit that will abide. It will remain. It will last forever. So what is it? What can we possibly do that would have consequence that would last forever? Share the Gospel. Make disciples. Question for you Bible scholars. There's quite a few in here. Do you find it significant that Jesus' first and last imperative, His first command and His last command to His disciples were about making disciples? Do you think that's significant? I think it's significant. His first command is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. First command, Peter and Andrew. Last command, Matthew 28, 18-20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to, to obey, all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is focused on fruitful discipleship. The Creator of heaven and earth who has all authority commands His disciples to make disciples. True disciples are actively engaged in bringing others to know Christ and to be in abiding relationship with Him. Look at me, please. Listen. True disciples make disciples. True disciples disciple others. Your wife, your kids, your brothers and sisters, your cousins, your co-worker, your neighbor, your community. I mean, where's God got you? Make disciples there. True disciples make disciples. Write that down. It's a good thing to write down. Let's think back to the parable of the soils. What was different about the good soil? Luke 8, 8 tells us, and some seed fell onto good soil and it grew and it yielded a hundredfold. The difference in the good soil is it yielded fruit. And he says at the end, he who has ears, let him hear. Do you have ears? 
Let you hear. The only thing that will last in this world, the only thing that's everlasting is the people that you meet in it. Think about that just for a second. Everything you see will pass away. Except the souls that you meet in it. They are everlasting. They will last forever somewhere. What are you doing about the where for them? This is kingdom fruit. This is the fruit of a true disciple. This is everlasting kingdom fruit that you spread the gospel, that you pour out your life as a friend of Jesus and a partner in God's ministry, that you're engaged with others, that they'll know Him too. This is God's plan all along, isn't it? It is. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, to form you and transform you, to prune you and grow you into His image. He made them in His image. That you would be fruitful and reproduce. That you would multiply and fill the earth with His image. This is not talking about just procreation here. It's reproduction. It's transformational. The gospel spread and people come to believe Him. And they're imagers too. And everywhere they go, they make imagers. And they're imagers and they make imagers. You see? Spreading the dominion of the kingdom of God everywhere. This is true fruit from the true vine. This is fruit that remains. This is the fruit that no one can do apart from Jesus. This is the fruit that gives us everlasting joy. Get this, this is really cool. Just, just hang with me for just a second. This fruit that you make, these that you spread the gospel to and they become believers, this fruit you'll be with in heaven forever. Singing and praising God and, and calling out to Him and, and lifting your voices together. This is fruit you'll stay with forever. Talk about joy. Come on, man. To be with them, that they would know the one you love, and they would love Him too, and you'll praise Him forever. That's good stuff right there. And it's this fruitfulness that you can ask the friend, you can ask the Father for in your friend's Jesus' name, and the Father will give it. You see the context of this question? It's not about getting a new jet here. Okay? In Jesus' name means, means for Jesus' purposes. And this is his promise. Love sacrificially, live sacrificially, ask sacrificially like Jesus. That's what asking in Jesus' name looks like and means. It's not tacking his name on the end of a request. 
It's asking in His name means asking what Jesus asked the Father for. And it's kingdom fruit. This is saying, God, I'm all in. I'll do whatever to reach them. I'll give whatever I have to give. I won't hold back. Because this is how you love. And how you love me. And how you save me. So God, please do this transformation in me. Prune me. Make me love them like you love me. Work in them like you worked in me. That they may know and love you. And that they would become a true disciple. Who makes disciples. For the love and the glory of God. God commands this of us. Look at 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Just like He showed us. So, in closing, a disciple is not just a learner. It's just not intellectual. And a, and a disciple is not some kind of super special Christian living in a hole somewhere or something. A true disciple is a follower of Jesus in deep, committed relationship to Him. One who has totally surrendered their life to Christ. One who no longer lives for the things of this world, but has turned from their sin to place their faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And they love Him and obey Him. And they are hungry and thirsty to learn about Him and to study His Word. A true disciple has been transformed by the Spirit of God and is still being transformed. More and more and more made into the image of Christ. Abiding and resting in the love of Christ. Loving and desiring Jesus so much that they cry out for, to God to help them produce more fruit. Fruit that remains by sharing the gospel. Loving others and sacrificing their lives. Loving like Jesus, that's what a true disciple is. Still living in a broken, messed up world, but loving Jesus and living in his love and spreading that, that gospel so that others would be disciples too. And experience the everlasting joy there is in joining their friend Jesus in the work that he does. Everlasting fruit in your life. So, we have three. Three possible positions. Which of these three are you? Are you a true disciple who's deeply committed to your relationship with Him? You love God and you're transformed by Him and you're already living a, a, a fruitful life? Awesome. Praise God. Come to Jesus again today and ask God to transform you more, that you can obey Him more and love Him and love others in and out of our church more to help spread the Gospel Word more and make the focus of your life more about making disciples. 
Ask the Father in Jesus' name for His purposes and His fruitfulness in your life. If you're this one, that's what you want anyway. Keep asking Him for that. Or number two, as Whitfield said, you're an almost Christian. A false disciple who maybe knows a lot about Jesus, but has only come partway. Who maybe lives by God's principles, but has a, selfless, a selfish and fruitless life. Who never completely surrendered their lives to the friend of Jesus that's engaged and engaged in His ministry. Always living a divided life. One foot in the world and one foot knowing Jesus. One foot in the world to satisfy yourself and the other knowing something about Jesus but never going all in. Come to Jesus today. Call out to Jesus to do a miracle in your life and transform you and ask Him to forgive you and bring you all the way to live with Him as the priority of your life and be fruitful for kingdom purposes. Number three, maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Still living pressed and crushed and lied to by the Spirit that is now at work in this world. Son of disobedience, as we all once were. Set apart from God. Come to Jesus today. Cry out to Him to forgive you and to save you to Himself and for Himself forever. I want to remind you that the elders after the video are going to be here to pray. And if you want prayer, you're one of these three and you want, you want to pray with somebody, we want to pray with you. So let's pray.